Welcome to The Gaggle, a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. Last week, we brought you a bonus episode with initial findings from the 22,000 election audit-related records that our colleagues poured through. Thousands of text messages and emails have shed new light on the power players behind the audit and demonstrated how former Republican State Party Chair Randy Pullen communicated with members of Trump's inner circle early in the audit process. There are still nearly 2,900 documents that we're waiting to have access for in order to fully understand the big picture. Those records are being held from the public because the Senate doesn't believe it's required under the state's public records law to release them. In those documents, there are conversations between contractor cyber ninjas and the lawmakers who ordered this ballot review. But now, Arizona Republic reporters have had some time to parse through many more documents that they've had access to. Today, The Gaggle welcomes Jen Fifield and Ryan Randazzo back to the show. Jen and Ryan have been covering the election ballot review for months, and they are joining us today to give us their insights. Thank you both for returning. So let's just get straight into it. Ryan, you've been following the legal battle on a couple of different fronts uh, for these records. Um, The Republic has sued for these records and American Oversight, which is um, run by some folks who were affiliated, worked with uh, the Obama administration. They sued on a separate front. What did we get out of these lawsuits? And can you sort of take us through what else is to come? Sure. So the lawsuits are similar, um, but they are proceeding uh, uh, on different tracks. And it's it's easiest to think of the records as being in two buckets. Uh, the first bucket would be communications that the Senate um, possesses, so their own emails. Uh, and that's really what we got. In uh, those 22,000 documents are some details on um, the costs and uh, the social media accounts and those things. But there is a whole nother bucket that both the Republic's lawsuit and the American Oversight lawsuit uh, have not gotten to dip into. And those are the communications that the contractors, so Cyber Ninjas and Wake TSI and Strat Tech and all the people that worked on the audit, they are not turning over those documents. Um, And that is what the Senate is fighting in, in two court cases now. And they're racking up, you know, uh, a large legal bill. So the Senate is using taxpayer money to fight the legal challenges to protect records from these contractors of theirs, if if that makes any sense. Um, there's one thing to note in the 22,000 documents we have, and that's that the Republic and American Oversight both stated in their original request that the Senate didn't need to turn over these routine emails uh, from constituents or even relatives sending support from other states, which many of uh, Senate President Karen Spann's emails include. Uh, We were pretty specific that we were looking for communications related to the functions of the audit. So who was paying for it, what it was costing, how they were doing it, what the procedures were so that we could track how, uh, how they were doing this. Um, but they uh, provided these documents anyhow. Honestly, it feels like they dumped all of this stuff in there. So one, they could tell the judges in the lawsuits that they were actually providing documents, regardless of how useless those documents actually are. And so that two, they could bury the press in tens of thousands of emails from fans of the audit and their correspondence back and forth with senators 
to make it harder to find the actual news items, uh, like who's paying for the audit. Um, and then among, in, in the first bucket, in the 22,000 documents we got, they still withheld nearly 3,000 of those saying that they're legislative privilege. Um, so these are nearly all emails among and between the senators, some of which seem really questionable regarding why they would not disclose them. So for example, they might email a news article to another senator with a very brief comment, and we can tell it's only a sentence or two just based on the length of the email, and that comment is redacted. So I have to imagine that those comments are like, look at this fantastic news article or look at this terrible news article. It can't be uh, of much substance, and it certainly isn't legal strategy, uh, but they're withholding them anyways and sort of prolonging uh, these legal challenges. We also got... Um a lot of text messages and these are a lot of them are text messages of exchanges with private now private individuals right uh volunteers uh jeff dewitt who worked for trump's uh two campaigns uh jim layman who is a senate candidate but was communicating with people on the periphery of this thing or in the middle of this thing um i was a little surprised at the breadth and the scope of, I, th I think, all the people that they were communicating with. Do you have a, a sense as to whether some of these 2,900 that we're waiting for, are those more of those types or are those solely with the contractors? They are, from what we can tell, um, mostly with contractors and other senators. Uh, so they're claiming that any communication from one senator to another is privileged and not releasing the the, the message there. And that's what uh, we're continuing to fight in court. So we want those messages and we are fighting to get the messages uh, that the contractors have because those folks are hired uh, by the Senate and doing the Senate's work uh, on, on a legislative function. And we believe that their communications should be public. Who is Patrick Byrne and what was his involvement um, in this ballot review, according to these new records? I uh, have known that Patrick Byrne has played a large part in this audit from the beginning, uh, but didn't know quite how large until the last month, and especially with these records coming out. So Patrick Byrne is the former CEO of Overstock who became involved in election integrity or uh, election fraud in the November 2020 election. And he is the largest funder through the America Project, a nonprofit he set up to this audit. Now, remember, even though the Senate commissioned and ordered this audit, uh, this is being paid mostly from outside sources. So he is the largest funder. So this out-of-state guy, former CEO, why this project here in Arizona? What else do we know about him? We don't know much. We don't know why he got involved. I did read his book called The Deep Rig, where he gets into all of his theories, broad theories about election fraud, doesn't offer much proof. We know that he met up with some uh, election analysts this summer before the election even happened, and he was studying how fraud could potentially happen. We also know that uh, under Overstock, he funded through an investment firm, a uh, company called Votes that is doing mobile app voting. Now, he doesn't, uh, he no longer works for uh, Overstock. We don't know whether he has any interest in these companies, but we do know that he was interested in elections 
even before all this began. One other big theme that has emerged uh, as you guys were pouring through these documents is that the number of Trump allies uh, who were in communication with some of these ballot review organizers really played um, a role or participated at least in the process really early on. Jen, whose name popped up and what did they actually do in terms of participating in this thing? Well, through these text messages that we are sifting through still today, we are finding uh, a few Trump connections um, that perhaps show that Trump was at least interested in funding the audit. We have Trump campaign official Jeff DeWitt, who asked uh, Randy Pullen, who is a former GOP chairman in Arizona and has become now the audit spokesperson, but these text messages reveal he has been involved since November with this audit. So we have Jeff DeWitt asking Randy Pullen where to send money, um, saying that offering to pay for security costs and um, saying, in fact, that Trump was asking. Now, Randy has attempted to clarify that they were talking generally Trump allies are asking and not Trump himself. Um, but, you know, the, the more that comes to light, the more people we're finding. Another one that we can talk a little bit about is Cleta Mitchell. And who is she? So Cleta Mitchell is a lawyer, a longtime GOP lawyer, who somehow started advising Trump when the election fraud claims began. So he was on the phone call. She was on the phone call with Trump back in January when he called over to Georgia election officials to try to convince them to look hard for election fraud. One of the things he he asked specifically was for them to find votes that he needed to win this election in Georgia. So she was on the call advising him for that. Uh, The New York Times found that she had been advising him for weeks, and recently other national networks have said that she was still talking to him in March as she went to states trying to convince them to change election laws. So we have documents showing now that she set up a escrow account uh, related to the audit. She was funneling money, outside money, to the subcontractors working on the, under the main contractor Cyber Ninjas in order to pay for the work that they did months ago. She was kind of a fixer that came in to help those people get paid. So fascinating. Um, Karen Fan, she's the Republican Senate president. She has often times and repeatedly talked about how this audit was not going to be about um, overturning Joe Biden's win here in Arizona, um, but instead it was going to be um, used to help lawmakers tighten up, improve, strengthen election integrity through legislation. But they're do seem to be connections, there are connections, according to these emails, to people from the Stop the Steal movement. This movement, um, as a reminder, falsely claims that the 2020 election was manipulated and stolen from Donald Trump. What conversations and contracts did you guys find in the documents that connect the audit to the Stop the Steal types? 
So within these documents, uh, we're sorting through, and uh, like we've talked about before, this is uh, thousands of pages of sometimes useless, uh, useless material, meaning that it's constituent emails back and forth. There's the yellow sheet, the legislative report that comes out every day where we're sifting through and we find this contract with someone that is known as Dr. Shiva. Um, now, he is a big conspiracy theorist in, in that he um, advocates for against vaccines. He has been um, claiming that there was election fraud before this election even began. And uh, he has been traveling the country talking about this uh, purported election fraud. And the Senate had contracted with him and Cyber Ninjas contracted with him separately. Both are paying him $50,000 to do digital image and digital signature reviews that are on top of what Cyber Ninjas already did for months here. So we are looking at new contracts, new money from the Senate, new taxpayer money being spent to, for further reviews. Now, some people you know, have been claiming since December that there's fraud in the signatures they're only legally able to look at whether a signature exists on the ballot envelope that you send in with your ballot and not review the signature itself under a secretary of state order. But many people are going to be excited that they're doing this work, while others are just going to say, get on with it. We're, we've been doing this for months now. One of the other big mysteries in all this is probably less important than the money, but it um, goes to some of the messaging that we've been seeing on this thing. Um, the Twitter account run by anonymous persons, people. Um, these records show that Ken Bennett, who uh, was the audit liaison, still is the audit liaison, at some point gave control of the audit Twitter account to Patrick Burns organization, uh, the America Project, which, as you said, was the largest funder of the audit, do we know um, who within the organization was actually tweeting? Do we know anything about their motivations on the messaging of this thing? We don't know much. Within all of these documents are many, many text messages, including many involving Senate liaison Ken Bennett. In some of these text messages, he is saying that while he had control over the Twitter account for the audit Twitter account for a while, he did give control to someone else. And this, this was uh, someone under fundtheaudit.com, which is Patrick Burns, the America Project's associated website. So we don't know exactly who had uh, control over the Twitter account, but we do know what they were saying at the time. They were insulting journalists. They were insulting um, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs. We know that Ken Bennett was saying he wasn't appreciative of the type of messaging that was coming out of those accounts. So we're, we're starting to learn a little bit more about the type of controls and, and lack of control the Senate and the Senate liaison had over all of this, uh, but there's still more to come on all of that. And do we know anything more about the final cost or the anticipated final cost of this thing? I don't know that we ever will. We'll see. So we know that it was about a nearly $5.7 million that came from outside sources directly to Cyber Ninjas. Mary Jo Pitzel has done reporting that shows that the Senate costs are adding up to $425,000 with more to come. Um, and there's also this uh, Cleta Mitchell account 
which has at least a million dollars going into the subcontractors. So it's it's all adding up. It's it's definitely obviously millions of dollars, but it seems like there's so many different funding sources. Um, there's security funding coming in from different places uh, that we're just going to have to keep looking to see whether we can add it all up. All right, Ryan. So what is next in this legal fight for the rest of these documents? Do you have any sense as to when we might get them? It's going to take some time. Uh, the courts uh, set out some some timelines for the uh, plaintiffs in the in the lawsuits. Um, so for us and American Oversight, for the Republic and American Oversight to review what the Senate is withholding and then challenge those documents that they're withholding. Um, and so that's taking place right now. Um, both both plaintiffs are uh, going through all of the documents that have been provided, but all, more importantly, the list. Uh, of documents that are not provided, and we're going to challenge that. And then the American Oversight case is now before the state Supreme Court, which is going to decide whether or not the Cyber Ninjas and other contractors' records should be released. The Superior Court judge said they should be released. The Appeals Court panel said they should be released. But those decisions have basically been put on hold while the state Supreme Court looks at the exact same issue. And so eventually, uh, it's likely, I mean, I would think that we're going to see those documents, but it is not going to happen overnight. All right, Jen and Ryan, thank you so much for joining us again to talk about the 2020 ballot review. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at Utility Reporter. Jen, where can people follow your work on Twitter? I'm at Jenny Fightfield. All right, Gaggle listeners, that's it for today. Before you go, please rate and review our show and share this episode with a friend. If you want to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. Today's episode was edited and produced by Amanda Luberto. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and EasyCentral.com. You can also follow this show and other Arizona Republic podcasts like Valley 101 on Twitter at AZC Podcasts. For The Gaggle, I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. We'll see you next week.